Thank you. Well, I wanted to be a bit more uh, upbeat at the beginning of the service, but Roger said to me, don't you, because I'm going to lead us into it. We've got to remember uh, what had gone on in Gethsemane and Good Friday. So I'm excited if I didn't feel, uh, seem that way at the beginning. He's risen, and uh, the response, uh, as you'll know from the early church, is what? He is risen indeed. So he is risen? He is risen indeed. And it's a fact. It's not just a story. It's a fact. And this whole theme of the service, this changes everything. It does. If Christianity is proved incorrect then we should look like fools because of the way we lived our lives. But it won't ever be proved incorrect. People have been trying to do that for about 2,000 years, and it hasn't happened. Uh, We're going to read a passage uh, in a moment, which is the passage that Sally effectively acted out for us, but we'll look at that in a second. I want to put it into context. You'll know some of this story. Uh, We've had Christmas. That's when the baby was born. You remember that? It's part of the Christmas story. Do you remember? Good. Well done. A baby is born, and when he's going to be born, they're told you're to give him the name Jesus. And the reason he's got to have the name Jesus was it means the Lord saves. And one of the first things I want to tell you this morning, you need that. You need, Jesus is more than a mythical figure, he's someone who saves. He saves you from what? He saves you from the penalty of the things you do wrong. If God is a holy God, then he wouldn't be much of a good God if he allowed things that, when, uh, that we did wrong, when we've inflicted pain, or either on him or other people, to go unpunished. Yet he sends his son for us. He's, he takes sin or the things we do wrong seriously, but he sends someone to pay for us, which is amazing. Jesus has been teaching, preaching, healing for around three years as we approach this passage. He claimed to be the son of God, which was blasphemy. This is why many of the religious leaders who thought they knew best uh, wanted him dead. He said he was the one. He was the one that could forgive. Well, only God could do that. He showed what it was to be God in all of his humanness, even though he was fully divine. He said that to see him was to see God. So many people didn't like that message. And some, so many people now uh, don't like that message. They felt threatened, even though he preached love, relationship, forgiveness, lives to be lived in all its fullness. A very positive message, which is the Christian message to this day. Yet people still reject him. They were so threatened that there follows plots to kill him. He's betrayed by one of his own. He's mocked. He's abused. And then, as we heard on Good Friday, he's crucified on a cross, which eventually becomes the symbol for Christianity, because without the cross, we have no Christianity. Now, the cross is everything. It was a form of execution. You wouldn't walk around with an with a electric chair around your neck, would you? You know, as a piece of jewellery. Yet the cross for a Christian is a form, uh, was a form of execution, but it's now the symbol of Christianity, because it was about the death of Jesus. And of course, Jesus is on that cross, because he's alive, he is risen, and that's the good news of this morning. It's vital. God dealing with my wrongdoing. Save yourself, they said to him as he hung on the cross. He couldn't save himself, or he could have. He chose not to because he was saving you. And that was his passion for you. He was too busy saving the world. And so he dies and he's laid in a tomb and those that had him killed, they insisted, because they knew what he'd said, they insisted guards would be posted so that nobody could steal the body. You see, they didn't believe him when he said he would rise again in three days. So they said, well, don't let their disciples steal the body because then it it gets paid. And they're thinking, well, it's all going to be about deception. And so they put a guard on the tomb. The stone's rolled and there's now driven in. It can't be moved. But they knew that if if the body wasn't found, it would change everything, the theme of this sermon. That would be the deal break. It would change everything because it would mean that everything he said was true. So they tried to make sure it couldn't happen. Here we are at our passage. 
Matthew 28, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here, he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came. Remember they posted a guard so that this couldn't happen. So there's more deceit happening now once it did happen. He said, you're to tell them his disciples came during the night and stole him, stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews this very day. And then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Some people still doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. William Wilberforce, who died in 1833, was an English politician. He was a philanthropist. He gave away a lot of money. A leader of the movement to stop the slave trade. He was instrumental. Uh, That happened just three days uh, before he died. He became an evangelical Christian. It resulted in major changes for our country, a lifelong concern for reform. His faith, when he had his evangelical conversion, changed everything. It changed everything for him. It was so uh, impacting, it changed everything. Martin Luther King, it's the 50th anniversary of his death, this coming Wednesday. An American Baptist minister, we like that, Uh, an activist who became the most visible spokesperson and leader in the civil rights movement from 1954 right up until 1968. Uh, His faith changed everything. Once he had faith, it changed everything, and he knew he could change the world and people's opinions about that everybody is equal before God. World War I, the war that was to end all wars, it didn't work. Uh, The Great War, it was called... Uh, global war originated in Europe. It lasted from 28th of July 1914 to 11th of November 1918. 70 million, more than 70 million military personnel, including 60 million Europeans, were mobilised of one of the largest wars in history. World War II, a glo- truly global war, lasting from 1939 to 1945. The vast majority of the world's countries were involved, all the great powers, two uh, opposing military alliances. It was the most global war in history. It directly involved more than 100 million people from over 30 countries. Uh, 50 to 85 million deaths are estimated because of that war. On a cheery note, 1966, England won the World Cup. <laughs> Made up mainly, it has to be said, of West Ham United players. 
It's true. You can't change the facts. They are what they are. Or 1963, uh, a British band from Liverpool uh, broke on the scene. They released an album, which they recorded the whole album in one day. Did you know that? All those tracks in one day. They had one or two takes of each one. Please, please me. And uh, that was the uh, beginning for the Beatles. Um, World Trade Centre, September 11, 2001. Uh, Did you feel like the world had changed on its axis? These people, these events, they all changed things. They changed people. They changed culture. They happened. And nobody here would deny them. There's too much evidence. There's too much eyewitnesses. When someone encounters Jesus, it really should and does change everything. He's not a myth or a story. He's a reality. People were still alive who witnessed the events of that time. The passage that uh, Roger read from 1 Corinthians, I think, was written around 15 years after his death. There were people alive that would have refuted it. It was a fact. The guards are paid to cover up what happened and to say that the followers stole the body. It was about deception. If it was really true, where's the body? They would have found it. It's 2,000 years later, they're still looking. They won't find it. He's risen and he's alive. There's deception to this day. People say, well, it's all right. All roads lead to God. They don't. Jesus is the only way, the Bible says. And when you accept that for yourself, it changes everything. Or it should do. For Mary Magdalene, there at his death, goes to look at the tomb. She is spoken to, do not be afraid, you're looking for Jesus. He's not here, he's risen, just like he said, because Jesus is truth. Go and tell the others, and off she goes, it changes everything. From fear and desolation, it says they were filled with joy, and they worshipped Jesus. It changed everything. Peter the Apostle, a bold follower of Jesus, actually rebuked Jesus himself, and he soon got rebuked back. But he ended up denying him three times, but we're told that Uh, Jesus restored him in John's Gospel three times. Between the death on the cross uh, and the resurrection, I imagine he was quite low, quite disillusioned, quite depressed. But when he knew that Jesus had risen, it changed everything for Peter. He went on to preach where over 3,000 people were believed and were baptised in line with the Scriptures. He boldly stood before the persecutors of the day and spoke out. He wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have been that transformed if he knew it was all a lie. And Saul, who became Paul, a persecutor, helping, killing the Christians, met the risen Jesus. It changed everything. And then he was called the preacher to the Gentiles. We now call him Saint Paul, the apostle. It changed everything. And millions of other people through the ages, myself included, you know, from, a, from an alpha course right at the beginning uh, to giving a, a, saying, yes, I can see this is true. And I see I need forgiveness. I, need, I see a way back to God. I see you're trying to lead me back to God. I accept that. That's what four people are doing tonight in obedience. They've accepted this message. They're going to say, well, I'm going to do what the Bible says. That's what it said. I'm going to repent, turn to God, believe in, in the cross, and be baptised. He promises to fill me with his Holy Spirit. And the question this morning that I want to leave you with is, has it changed everything for you? Because when you look at those people, it, changed, it should do. It changed everything for them. He's alive. Where is the body? It's not been found. You can imagine the biggest upset in history. The name that's mentioned more than any other name in history is that of Jesus Christ. If they could find the body, all these people, two-thirds of the world don't believe in him. They'd find it, wouldn't they? We can't keep a secret for long. You know, Charles Coulson, who was involved in the uh, Watergate affair, he said, I became a Christian. He said, because uh, I had loads of people around me and we couldn't keep the Watergate secret uh, between ourselves for two weeks. He didn't believe that these uneducated men could keep it for so long and change their lives in such a way as they did. 
He's alive. There is no body. Like the guards, people still try and deceive. They'll try and tell you that you're an accident, that you have no real purpose in life, that creation, the world, happened by chance. Life just happened, which no one believes. You can't make... You have to have life first before you can make life. It's impossible. And only in God can the answer be found. And our response, my response and your response, changes everything. Jesus' last words... In Matthew's Gospel, in our passage that I read this morning, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." Not all roads lead to God. Only Jesus can lead to God the Father. The Bible says it's only by one name that people can be saved. And saved from what? Because he pays for my wrongdoing and he pays for yours. Not because he's a vengeful God, not because he's a hating God, but because he's a loving God. He pays the price for you. And of course there's a choice. It gives me no uh, satisfaction in saying this. I have family members and I have people that I've had to uh, take funerals for and I'm not, I don't know where they are or were with God. What I do know is we can have that promise now as a Christian. And what it is, is either I pay for my wrongdoings or he does. So either you pay for your wrongdoing or Christ does. And he offers. That's what Good Friday was about, taking the sin of the world on him and paying for it. Or I can pay. I can say, no, you're okay, thanks. Thanks for that. I like the long weekend, um, but it's not for me. And then you're going to pay. And it gives me no joy to say that to you. But you don't have to. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall never die. You're saved from the penalty of the wrongdoing. Someone has to pay. Otherwise, God's not a holy God. He's not a just God. And Christ himself says, I'll pay for you. If you want. You can refuse. He also says he'll give you life in all its fullness. doesn't say an easy life, but it is a life lived. A life of the Christian. Your response changes everything. That's what four people are doing tonight on this Easter Resurrection Sunday, or four people that we know of. If you've been challenged, make sure you bring some extra clothes and do as the Bible says. Turn to God, believe, be baptised, and you'll be filled with the Spirit. You don't come because you've got it all sorted out. You come because you haven't got it all sorted out. You're clothed in his righteousness, not your own. It's what God has done for you. To say I'm not ready when you already believe and trust in the cross is to deny what Jesus did on Good Friday. He's paid for it. All you need to do is accept it. So come along or sign up for Alpha. There's leaflets over there. That was the beginning of my journey. It took a little while, uh, but it got there in the end. Come and look at the evidence for yourself because the evidence is overwhelming. It changes everything. And I pray that your lives will carry on being changed for the sake of Christ this Easter Resurrection Sunday. Let me pray for you and come along tonight, seven o'clock, and hear testimony of people who will say, this changed everything for me. God, I thank you for your word and I thank you for its truth. I thank you for the evidence which is overwhelming for the resurrection. We thank you that you're alive and that you promise that you don't leave us as orphans. You send your Holy Spirit to us, your spirit that lives within us. We pray for those four people tonight. We pray, Lord, that in their testimony they'll give... Uh, give witness to the changing power of you. And I pray for those that don't believe or are unsure, that you speak into their hearts and that they would respond in the biblical way, which is to turn to you, 
make a break with the past, start a new life, trust that you have paid for them on the cross, that they would get baptised and you would fill them with your spirit. Pray your blessing on everybody here in Jesus' name. Amen.